0: Is an unspoiled network podcast. This is Spoil Me covering Soul Smith chapters four through seven. In these chapters, we've got a new player entering the field here. He's kind of a red skull type. Honestly, I'm really interested in what happens with this dude. Welcome to spoil me. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very, very much to Andrew for commissioning this book, this series. Can I just tell you guys what it has been like reading these chapters (laughs) guys. It is a real journey. Um, so I said something last time about how I accidentally read the first sentence of chapter four in the first strike. She exterminated humanity. Now here's the thing. Is that happening where Linden is? Or is that another planet that also has humanity on it? I don't know what kind of universe this is. Are there aliens? Is everybody a human? I mean, I guess not. Cyril's not a human. But did she just wipe out 99.8% of the population on his planet? And uh, Andy says it was another planet in a different iteration And in parentheses, universe. Okay. Because there was a part of me that was like, that could have happened on his planet. And there's no particular reason to think that he would know. Because he's not home where there are, you know, uh, there is a landscape he recognizes and people that he knows are supposed to be there. So if they continued on and just came across this one enormous community... They wouldn't know whether this was unusual or not. They wouldn't know whether, you know, so there's a chance that happens. There's no news. There's no radio to tell them. He doesn't know, you know. Um, but this is a really interesting section. Whenever we're with Surreal, I am paying like razor sharp attention because what's going on with her is so foreign and strange. She's got this responsibility that isn't, uh, I want to say isn't super well defined. And I don't feel like that's actually true. I don't understand the definition of it yet is better way to say that. Um, And she has this power, but constraints regarding her role, That I find very intriguing. I'm always very fascinated by the idea of beings that are granted extraordinary power, but also have extraordinary limitations on how they are allowed to act. And at one point she asks if she has free will in a matter. And I was so glad that she said that because honestly, I didn't have a good idea on whether she had free will or not at all. It seems that she does, but she takes her duty very seriously. So she isn't a cog. She has choices she can make. And it's interesting to find out here that one of the choices she can make is to allow people to survive that perhaps otherwise should not have been allowed. I'm going to read this section because I am so curious and I don't really get it. And that's fine. I don't need to get it. Um, And Andrew had sent me an email earlier today, which I got, but I didn't have time to reply before the recording. Um, And he was, was saying that he hoped he wasn't too intrusive during the recording. Not even at all. Like not even close, Andrew. Don't worry about that. I... I'm not always able to respond to every comment that's made when it's busy, but I I really encourage participation, especially if you have answers to questions that I may have missed. The caveat to that being, if something is a spoiler where letting me continue to think that until such time as it's clarified later, just leave that and let me figure that out. But if it's something that you really think I should have figured out by now. And maybe I forgot because there's been time before this book. Go ahead and tell me that and help me out along the way. I'll just have to rely on your judgment as to whether or not something is, you know, something I should have figured out or something that will be sort of revealed and explained a little bit more later. Um, so I hope that was helpful. And so we go to Suriel. She is using this thing to just decimate i say decimate there's a specific meaning to the word decimate and i know that there are some people out there who are saying that's not what that means you know what i mean um she is killing off and exterminating the human race as you do and it is really wild here it had been handed down this weapon that she used to her, from her predecessor, along with the identity of Suriel, the sixth judge, sixth judge of the Abaddon court, more than a tool for destruction, the razor was meant as an instrument of healing and an infinitely complex, incalculably powerful scalpel. So right there, we find out that her doing this was a good thing. I didn't really have a lot of doubts because Suriel seems to be a compassionate type. But, you know, it helps to be reassured after you've been told somebody has eliminated an entire species from the planet. Um, so it says that she uh, used this feature that isolated bloodlines, which is intended to remove pests in a home or a strain of virus in a body. Um, and mankind were corrupted now fused to and altered by the same chaos that destroyed their world once her target was selected she simply provided the energy and the razor did the rest the mantle of surreal a river of raging white flame that hung from her back like a cape rolled with power as it drew on the way and way is capitalized She funneled that power to her weapon, which flashed so brightly they would see it on the surface of the burning planet, kilometers beneath her. And then all of a sudden there's these tiny little explosions uh, that happen. And then it says that her connection to the way slackened immediately. And humans anchored a world, their lives and their minds tying it to the way. And when they were gone, chaos reigned. She had cut this world adrift. What? What does that mean? This is such an enormous statement. Everything that just happened here is so huge that my brain just failed to register it. Essentially... I'm seeing as all human beings are connected to some sort of higher power by virtue of our consciousness versus other animals consciousness. Right. And by cutting them away from it or not even cutting because she does. I'm assuming that the human beings who remain are still tied to the way right themselves personally, but there is not enough of them to tie this planet because normally if they are the dominant species, there's enough of them to sort of act as a net, but without enough people, the nets holes are too big and the planet just falls through it. That's sort of how I'm thinking of this. Um, So then she sees that there are, 2,106,344 survivors and they are scattered all over the dying planet to which I was just like wow okay so I'm really glad that she didn't just like manually proceed with elimination as her uh presence asked however it doesn't seem super compassionate To leave them on a planet that's dying. And she's aware that it is. Um, And. She wonders to herself. Whether. How many people she's killed at this point. How many lives. And she knows that this was a necessary thing to do. But it's beginning to grow heavy. Carrying this around. And thinks about her predecessor who had basically, he's retired because it became too much and he couldn't handle it anymore. And she says he lived the life of a mortal now. His power forcibly veiled. She hadn't heard from him in millennia. I want to know who this dude is because I feel like we're going to meet him maybe or met him already maybe not maybe he's in a whole other iteration but there is something about that that makes me feel like we're getting a call back at some point um how much heavier was the weight borne by razahel the wolf or osriel the reaper the world's problems had not ended with the destruction of mankind if they had the reaper's job would not be necessary anyone with the power of an Abaddon judge were capable of eliminating a planet's worth of people. And most iterations only had a single inhabited planet. Interesting. I don't think I caught that the first time around because I was asking that question, but okay. Noted. So she's watching this planet basically lose its mind. (laughs) Like there's, there's cities, cities, It says, crumbling to dust and rebuilt in seconds. There are hurricanes happening, clearly, like lots of forest fires and uh, earthquakes. And it says, now the difficult and painstaking part of her task began. Gadrail, a compact and muscular man with dusky blue skin and tight packed horns instead of hair, hovered nearby. His arms were folded so that the black circle on his forearm, the shield of Gadreel, was pointed out. He wore the same liquid smooth white armor as she did, and a judge's mantle burned behind him as well. Quarantine protocols will remain in effect for approximately six months harrow time, after which my barriers will vent all fragments into the void and dissolve. <sighs> the role of the Reaper was to eliminate a world without leaving such fragments behind, which could give birth to the most dangerous elements in existence. The best she could do was a messy approximation. So. Exactly. What does that mean? Like, does the Reaper not show up on this planet now because she eliminated everybody or as many people as she felt like, I guess, uh, Why is she being left to do this and they're not bringing in any, uh, what's the word? They're they're not bringing any cleaning crew in after, it seems like. Um, And then she had six months to save as many untainted lives as she could. Of course, that was Harrow time, which was notoriously unstable. The world, this world had drifted from the way, which governed the proper flow of time. She felt as though she'd been here for minutes, but another world may have seen days past. Um, so the Harrow is what she had described as being the thing that sort of corrupted. Uh, oh, Brian Knight's here in the chat and says, Osriel the Reaper went missing. Thank you for the reminder. Now that you say that, I remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, and then they talk about that for a second. Osriel could have done this in moments, but he was gone, and she feels some personal resentment. Right, right, right. Um, so the Harrow is capitalized, by the way, and I'm assuming this is a force that is meant to sort of disrupt the way, and and. It's sort of reminding me I'm going to be covering after this, the Young Wizard series, which I compared this book to only in a vague way last episode. Um, and this is sort of reminding me of the one and the lone one um, in that world. And the lone one is sort of a force of entropy and destruction and perversion and uh What's the word I want? It is like a poison, basically. And that's sort of what it sounds like with the Harrow she's talking about. And because of the thing that we see with these rotten dogs later, I'm wondering if that's not beginning to happen in his world. And that's part of what she's warning him about is that it's going to wind up like this. And... Maybe she's hoping that he will keep her from having to eliminate a whole other planet full of people. And that's why she's helping him. Because like, that is something I would also like to avoid, were I able to, you know, I am not mad at her for that. Um, so after this reprieve, Machiel expects you to throw your full effort into the search for Osriel. He wants results within a standard decade. And she turns to him and she is pissed. This is when she asks, do I have autonomy in this matter? He had to see what she was doing, but he nodded once. You do. Okay. Why is she so mad? Is it just the way that he's ordering her around? I feel like. But yeah, she just has this reaction. And it feels to me unwarranted but i don't know the culture in the world that she lives in i don't know if he's being presumptuous i don't know their history together because it's another thing somebody could say something that seems totally innocuous but if you know somebody's history with that person you realize that was a huge slap in the face so there's this feel here that something else is going on um and she says then this falls under the purview of the 6th division not the 2nd if you interfere before i have finished my operation i will consider you to have violated the pact and take action accordingly let it be witnessed under the way oh so she's basically like how about you mind your fucking business or i am going to report you to management and honestly there the This is just such a beautiful way to say it that I wish these words were applicable in everyday life so that they could be used. Let it be witnessed under the target sign. Uh, Schisms among the Court of Seven were not common, but they were known to happen. Suriel would not risk the stability of the Abaddon on a personal vendetta, but Gadriel, and by extension, Machiel, were threatening her authority. So... She is just I love her so much already. You guys like we barely know her and she is so there's a sense of her just being like kind of done with the way things are, the way they're run. And I don't even mean in this like instance with this being so personal, but the fact that she sort of helps Lyndon, even though she's really not supposed to, there's just a sense to her uh, like boredom. And feeling like, oh, honestly, I feel like we could do better, right? Right? And, and being willing to test those boundaries a little bit. And I find that really, really interesting. Um, so, a curtain of rich layered blue tore open on the starry canva- canvas behind Gadriel and he stepped back into it, arms crossed. Six months, he said, then you find the Reaper. We have set aside Iteration 213 as a quarantine zone for your infected. So bypass sector control. A channel will be open for you. And basically, this world being created is an acknowledgement of the fact that she was never going to let the entire population die. And they were totally aware of that. And they're not trying to punish her or force her to do the thing. They're, they're dealing with the fact that she is who she is. And I think that's really something that more managers could stand to learn. You can't always force a person to do the thing. You have to figure out how they work and figure out a way to make how they are work with everything else. And so this is a quarantine planet that all of these people that I'm assuming they're worried are infected by the Harrow are going to before they are, I don't know, moved to another planet with more people or perhaps left on that planet to repopulate. I want to know what that's like for them. What the fuck happened in their minds when they get moved to a quarantine planet? Is it like they got abducted by aliens? They just got sucked up into a ship and zipped off somewhere? Do they fall asleep and simply wake up and it seems like the same planet to them? What is that like? I am just desperately curious. Um, So 462 grade six anomalies and counting, her presence said. Pursuit recommended before expansion threshold is reached. Which I am really like, is that sort of her presence figuring out how many people are? I mean, there's a possibility that everybody's infected, right? I would assume that maybe some are able to fight it off. Maybe not, though. I don't know. And, or, and maybe the anomalies are like people who have started to exhibit symptoms very specifically. In a way that they're looking, I'm I'm addressing all of this as if it's an illness, like in a, you know, in my, in my, my language that I'm choosing here. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I just want so much to know more about this. Um. A world divorced from the way gave birth to chaotic distortions. There were nightmarish monsters, entities that strained the rules of existence. If Harrow was allowed to fester over the next half a year, it could give birth to thousands of these abominations. Once they entered the void, they would drift until even Machiel couldn't predict where they would emerge. So it's sort of like they are spores, you know, that just come to rest other places. Um, She had to destroy them now. At the same time, she had to reach as many of the two million survivors as she could, transporting them to a pioneer world. It wouldn't be as stable or as nurturing as a full iteration, but it should keep them alive. Again, I want to know what this looks like. It's. It seemed like, you know, with Lyndon, when they traveled to different places, all she had to do was like be next to him. They may not. Even I mean I don't know I'm I just really I have a theory too uh, I'll talk about that later I'm getting ahead of myself so surreal gripped her razor and blasted forward because she sees this obelisk that comes shooting out of the planet that is obviously not right it's coming up fr- far further than any natural structure could possibly support itself. And she's like, okay, we're going to have to go and deal with that. Uh, and it says like a dying animal, a world was most vicious at its end. It's a good line guys. Just saying. Um, so then we go to Lyndon and Yeren. They are flying through the forest on this cloud Absolutely dying of thirst. And when I say dying, I mean it. They are getting to that point of lethargy where, like, what can save you now other than an IV line? Because swallowing it might not be enough. And all of a sudden, they come across this pyramid. And the problem has been because you're probably wondering, why didn't they just stop for water? The problem has been the water's all fucked up. All of it is poisoned. It's like they don't even need to taste it. They just look at it and they're like, oh, yeah, no. And it seems like and and this is part of what made me wonder if that had taken place in his version of the planet, because all of this water having gone bad, I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is like one of the symptoms of things happening here. But it seems more like this is the symptom of the harrow perhaps, like beginning to gain traction. Um, and he sees this pyramid and is immediately like, people, oh my God, they have to have water fountains. Thank you. Just a Brita picture, please. And she's like, uh, hold on a second and hits the brakes. And he's like, what are you doing? Oh my God, I'm so thirsty. Why would you do this right now? And she's like, how about you think for a second? Look at that pyramid, dude. And he looks and sees that the aura that has been pulled out of the area that they're leaving is going into this like cyclone that's ending in the pyramid. Whatever is happening in there is pulling aura out of the air, in know, in a way in, out of the world, I should say. It's not out of the air, although I'm sure there's air aura um in a way that is really unnatural, and I can't help but wonder maybe part of why the water's fucked up, like there are these beasts that are rotting. Is this all a symptom? Of the aura being drained from the area? Is that something that can happen? I mean, the theory... Mm, the theory that Linden had when he looked at those rotting dogs was they had cycled some kind of Madra that corrupted them. Is that the Harrow? So can it be both, basically? That this whatever's happening with this pyramid is pulling aura out of the era, area, making it more possible for the hero to enter this this iteration. Like, is it possible to make weak points? And why would you want to do that? Who would do that? Like, is this spear that we hear about later part of that? Is the spear the reaper's spear? Does the Reaper have a spear? Okay. I I just really spun out there. I'm sorry, but that's, I I didn't even consider that this might have something to do with, uh, Osriel being missing. I'm going to say it doesn't for right now because that feels like really big, but I'm putting a pin in that one. All right. Um, so, uh, Oh, Brian says, quick clarification about Harrow, I believe was the name of the iteration, not what was destroying the iteration. That was chaos. Thank you. Although I really do like the name Harrow for something that's like a force of evil or entropy or something, because it's sort of like harrowing is terrifying. Right. I think that's kind of cool. Um, But thank you. So we can just what what do we call it now, then this sort of corruption that happens just it feels like there should be another word i want to i'm going to keep calling it harrow is that weird will that be confusing i kind of like it um but yeah okay thank you for that clarification um so let's go through this fucking situation here at the pyramid some dude greets them and by greet i mean he throws a spear at them And I love it because he comes up to them like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you were people. And at the time I was kind of like, all right, I feel like that should be well within your purview based on what I've heard y'all are capable of at your level. She felt in her soul, the spirit that something was near her and about to attack her in a very like sort of human way. If she could feel that, I have a hard time believing that you, sir, were not able to detect a human versus remnants attacking. But sure, let's just say you suck. That's fine. Let's go with that. We find out a little bit later that my initial instinct was correct. She does not buy this ship for a second. And as this continues, it's so clear this dude is oily af he is a used car salesman he is somebody trying to sell you on a timeshare he is just so interested in getting her to sign on the dotted line once he realizes her worth that everything else falls to the wayside and all that's left is his sales pitch and it is awkward because he couldn't have less fucking use for Lyndon. Lyndon may as well not exist. He respects Lyndon in as much as he does what he needs to in order to keep Yeren from being offended. Because it's clear Lyndon means something to her. But in terms of Lyndon's, you know, innate worth, no. And there's this sense of just like, well, and we can eventually we'll get rid of him. You know, like, It would be terrible if something happened to him. I mean, God forbid, but they want her. And I, I love that there's this uh, confrontation a little bit later with this woman. Let's see, I'm trying to find the name of her because Jaisen is the name of the salesman. And I think it's like Ren or Rian. I feel like it started with an R. Um, and before I get to that confrontation, I just want to go through really quickly the story that Jai Sen tells them. Um, he says, seven or eight days ago, a team of fishers were working the pure lake in the gray light of early morning. As dawn broke, the lake began to tremble like a bowl in unsteady hands. The waves grew until they tossed the fisher boat about, and it took all the strength of a low gold and a high gold working together to bring the craft ashore. Only when their feet touched the ground, they learned that their troubles were not over. The earth shook, and the land pitched more violently than the water. They ran for help, as fishers tend to do, when the trees split apart and the ruins burst into the sky. Last week, the horizon was clear. Now, the power and reputation of the transcendent ruins calls sacred artists from all over the wilds. And Lyndon takes a close look at it and he can see there is indeed like huge chunks of land stuck to the thing very high up. And he's like, okay, either somebody is doing some really intense like labor to make it look true, or this guy is telling us the truth. And when he says this, it's clear that he is watching the two of them for their reactions. And Yeren seems very particularly to zero in on the fact that he said seven days before now. (sighs) What happened seven days ago? Does she know something that we don't know? I keep thinking about the dude that Suriel put in prison from the first book, the gold who tried to basically enslave everybody, Uh, which I, I am assuming that prison she puts him in is somewhere else that that's not here. But it would be pretty messed up if by imprisoning him, she like made this wild pyramid just like appear to house him in and nobody knew anything about it and we're all like getting worked up when in fact there's a super danger dangerous prisoner in the middle of it um so he's like well i've heard from enough people that it was seven days ago i wasn't actually here yet i only got here three days ago but the people who have said seven days are all pretty trustworthy so i think that's what's going on and they have reached this wall at this point um And Lyndon is looking around and realizing how many of these young people are gold status. And he's just starting to be like, wow, okay, there's some shit here that is so far beyond what I thought was possible. And he's, I expected him to almost feel like sad about it, but it's giving him hope basically because every step of the way what he's been taught is absolutely true is being proven to be nothing of the kind. And so that I think is boo him because once you realize that everything you've been taught is wrong, all of a sudden the constraints begin to just fall away and anything can happen. Anything is possible because you realize you don't know shit. And I can see how that would be kind of freeing, you know? Um, So these people approach and they are all wearing, for lack of a better word, a centipede snake remnant in that bright poisonous green color that the others were. And it's really clear they come from the same faction as the people who attacked them, which is really interesting because I had assumed that those people were a very small band uh, that were barely making it but it turns out that they're part of this band that's actually fairly well established so what were they doing out there is this just something that these folks do do they just go and hunt were they rejected for some reason what were they doing out there starving to death which to me is an indication they've been out there for a minute um but they are looking at the two of them with this expression. And Lyndon has to work very hard to keep himself from beginning to like breathe hard and indicate that he's afraid because he knows they'll be able to hear it and they'll be able to tell. And Jai Sen goes over to them and is like, it is my honor to introduce you to the best of the young generation among the honored sand vipers. They have a long history of friendship with our Jai clan and are our allies in exploration of the ruins. So the woman looks at Linden and says, are you as weak as you seem? Her name is Resh. I was so close. And when I tell you guys, I read this and just went oh! out loud because Yaren slaps this bitch across the face with the flat of her sword, which is so disrespectful. That is some contemptuous shit. You don't do that. She bitch slaps her with her sword, which leaves like a burn on the woman's face because reminder, her sword's enchanted and has this crazy light coming off it. So yeah, and I loved this because Yeren does this just as Lyndon is thinking how he's going to handle it and what he's thinking. She says, are you as weak as you seem? The question pricked him like a needle, but he was the weakest one present by miles. He readied an ingratiating smile, prepared to humble himself as far as needed. And I'll tell you what, my I I my entire brain went no Lyndon. what are you doing these are predators man you don't roll over and show them your stomach you're not at home anymore kid this isn't part of like a civilized society i feel like we can all see from where you're at with no fucking clean water around for miles and this pyramid that just popped up out of the ground and a camp that's like popped up around it there there aren't aren't social graces to be respected and acknowledged here. This isn't somewhere that you can be publicly incredibly polite and privately be working on your own thing because you have connections and networking here. You need to do something. And thankfully Yaren knows this because Yaren's been trained and he has been so accustomed to living in this in this society that had very specific rules and being an underling in that society with no protection other than his family's name that protection though is significant that is a lot more than he has now out here all the fuck by himself so Yaren has to establish that she is as much to contend with as his whole family fucking was back where he came from Which she does because she slaps Resh again. I cackled, you know, like this is some shit that I wish so much we could just continue to settle things this way sometimes. Like the way that that Yaren is approaching things is more honest in its way assessment of the situation. The way that Lyndon is used to working is much more how you and I have to function at the office, where there there are politics and everything is sort of passive aggressive. And so you go somewhere where you're new and somebody gets up in your face, you're new. If you're in an office situation, you're kind of like, I welcome any criticism. I just want to do better. You do the humble thing. Make it clear you are willing to take the kicks until such time as you have allies to help you or you learn to do better or that person leaves, whatever. And Yeren, this is prison. You know, this is, you, this is prison rules. She's not here to have a fucking chat with lower management. This is I am going to prove to you that I am watching this kid. He is with me. He is taking no guff from you. I am taking no guff from you. And I am going to put you in a situation where, yes, you could all beat me if you ganged up, but then you'll have been seen to gang up which doesn't look great. And he's a copper. So you've not only all had to get together to take down one low gold, which is embarrassing, but then you will have also jumped a fucking... He's a copper. That's so much worse. And everybody's here and they'll all see it. So you do what you need to do. And I will wait patiently to hear what you have to say. And they do back the fuck off but she's under no illusions that this like settles the thing it's just been very postponed for right now um meanwhile she is noticing the fact that Jai I can't remember his like last name is it Jai Lin Jai Ren but he is watching And not doing anything. And later on, that's part of her guessing on how it all went down is essentially, if he brings her back to his family as a find. Her the initial thing with him saying, oh, I attacked you because I didn't realize you were people. I'm so sorry. She's like, bullshit. He knew he was just going to try and take our shit. Now we get closer. He can let these people jump me. And maybe still take my shit. Or he can see if I can stand up to them. And then I'm even more valuable. Because I have managed to hold my own against this crew. And so he will get more accolades for bringing me in. Essentially, all that... Ah, Jai Sen. Thank you, Andy. All that Jai Sen cares about is how he can turn the two of them turning up to his own advantage. And it can manifest in several ways. And every one of those ways is better for him if Lyndon isn't part of the equation, to, to be perfectly honest. And on, I feel for Lyndon so bad in this because he is keenly aware that that's his situation. You know, <sighs> what that must feel like. I just, I am constantly punched in the gut throughout this series so far by the reminder of how he is seen by everyone else he isn't even really a person he's like it, it, it's just not he's not quite a human being to them because of what he is and how slow he has been to progress and he can't help that man and i just fucking ugh, it's rough um so they are walking through this encampment once Jai Sen basically takes custody again after he has determined that she passed the test. And there is this new character that we meet Ethan. This is super interesting. So he's a bit of a dandy. He's got like really nice white silk on and he like lowers himself in this way. That's super gentle to the ground so that he won't splash mud on his clothes. And he is looking around and sees Yeren and knows exactly who she is when he looks at her. And then Wei linden um when he says yarin a ladder tilted fractionally it would tip over in a moment and the man balanced on it would have to use sacred arts to write himself uh oh audiobooks pronounced it Ithan, says brian okay i can deal with that because there's an eye there Ithan pressed one finger against it pushing back pushing it back into balance uh, I can't tell if that is, uh, I can't tell if that is like a premonition on his part or simply like the fact of what would happen because that happening so close to him, knowing exactly who the two of them are simply by looking at them. Is this part of being like a, a high gold or true gold? Is that what they called it? Is that part of like, can you tell? I didn't realize, you know, regarding copper that you could just see aura like out in the world the way that you apparently can. And therefore, there's a like, I'm, I'm starting to be like, maybe I don't have any clear idea of where the limit is on some of these abilities. Um, a long A like Athan, says Andy. Oh, Okay. Um, Aethon. Okay. So, when he says Weishin Linden's name, he likes it. Um, Yeren was clearly the disciple of a sage. Her spirit was so pure and clean that only someone at the end of a path could have helped her create it. He couldn't afford to offend a sage without losing his position, or worse. And if Yeren's master was still alive... Athan would never be able to recruit her. Fortunately for him, the sage of the Endless Sword had vanished in this region a few months before. Now here was his disciple in ragged clothes that had seen a month of wear, her wounds aching, belly tight with hunger, and expression tight with buried grief. His webs of Madra brought him all that information and more, and it was a simple deduction from there. Her master was dead. A sad loss for the world, to be sure but potentially to Ethan's gain. And I'm watching this and thinking, "Mm, he sounds kind of shady, but then this is immediately followed up with him doing something nice for this girl running by who is, he can tell on the edge of like a precipice here. She was on the frayed edge of breaking and he can tell this. And just picks up this flower and lifts the petals or uh, lifts the whole thing into the air and presses it into her hands. And apparently she can't see that this happened. When a flower appeared seemingly out of nowhere, she spun around searching in vain for its source. That easily her burden lightened just a fraction. So like, that's a really sweet, nothing thing to do. And that made me sort of walk back my initial, oh, I don't like that to, oh, maybe, you know, only a hair's worth of difference, but enough hairs could tip the scale. What scale though? So all of this, it's like, the, in the, it, it all seems to be boiling down to will this help me yes or no it seems but it, maybe it's maybe it's more than that i don't know um if yaron was a prize linden was a puzzle two cores one even weaker than the other in an otherwise healthy body oh i had meant meant to say something about that last episode he has advanced to copper but only in the one core so he if he is he intending to leave the other core un advanced is he going to try to level both up and if so I would assume that takes way longer so I'm guessing probably no he's just going to level up the one core because he wants to do this in in better time but if the other core is so weak will there will there be any advantage to having two of them i feel like there comes a point where you split them for a reason don't you want to be able to have two sources you know and if it just one of them is going to be so far beyond the other it doesn't seem super helpful um but we'll see So, yeah. Um, Let's see. Athan saw the story of a boy growing up in an isolated region with no ability in the sacred arts, but there were a thousand stories in the crowd around him, many equally intriguing. What piqued his interest were the little things. The way Linden stared around as though to devour every new detail with his eyes, the way he seemed to subconsciously bow to everyone around him with a gold sign, the pack full of knickknacks he carried on his back—he liked to be prepared. This Linden, he planned ahead. He was looking for opportunity, even here in what would be to someone like him an ocean of sharks. And he kept his tools neatly separated, packed efficiently. He carried very little on his person, just a half silver dagger, the badge, a few coins. And and basically Ethan almost falls over. Because he can see the bead the cereal gave him and is like, whoa, what the fuck is that? He can't even penetrate it with his senses to guess what it even is. And Ethan had only come this far west to find Yeren, or at least someone like her. If he returned to his clan with her in tow, he could consider this trip worthwhile. But now, it seemed, he may have found a truly unexpected prize. Who are you? What are you doing? What's up with you? Like, I don't like it. I'm fascinated, but I don't like it. So we go back to uh Lyndon and his point of view and walking around seeing all of these kids at these levels that he just never thought was possible. And reminder, he comes from this very secluded area and he's only ever seen like one type of human being and Everything around him, there is so much that's new that he's having trouble even absorbing it all. Um, it was so strange compared to Sacred Valley that Lennon wasn't quite sure what to make of it. He was surrounded by golds, which made him feel even more fragile than an autumn leaf in this crowd. One instinct urged him to dash into a corner and hide, but another emotion held sway the dizzying relief of absolute freedom. In the Way Clan, everyone knew him. They knew how useless he was. Here, he would start over from the beginning. So, Lyndon, I thought that too. But evidently, everybody can see what level you're at. And I know when you say how useless I am, you mean more in terms of like your personal record. But I... uh, I don't know how true this is, buddy. I want it to be true for his sake. It's like going to a new school. The thing about that is, though, as a kid, you are convinced. Going to a new school where nobody knows you, they you can be whomever you want and they will believe what you tell them about who you are. But that's only true If you're a very good actor and you really feel like you weren't in the place you belonged at your old school. Otherwise, our personalities tend to out. And if you were considered kind of a weirdo nerd at your old school, chances are people will begin to figure out that you are a weirdo nerd at your new school too. There's not a lot you can do to run away from yourself if you are showing people who you really are and and who knows maybe you're not maybe you don't know who you are who knows but it's just sort of I don't I want him to put less stock in what other people think of him but I also know how crucial it is here for people to be on your team so I go back and forth with wanting for him to like Put that away and focus on himself and being better and not worrying about the judgment calls of everyone else, and then I want to admit that like community and having the support of people is important, and if this is how they deem who gets their support, it does matter, and I can't just discount that, you know same old song um so I have so little time left. I can't believe how quickly this went past. So we have like, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I just want to get to the end of this situation, but there is a conversation between the two of them uh, because, you know, Sen keeps on trying to get them to join his clan. He brings them to their headquarters for lack of a better word and let's Yeren be sort of like scanned by his aunt who then invites Yaren in and does not say anything to Linden, but allows Linden to enter because Yaren clearly would wish it so. And they get inside and Linden's all psyched up to have a bath and go to bed. And she's like, Oh, we are not staying here. Are you kidding me? And she explains to him the whole thing. And then I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense actually. And, he, when they get out of there, they're looking for another place to go and have a bath because there's all these bath houses set up, which are very small ramshackle things. They don't seem to have any money. Everybody keeps talking about scales, but they don't have scales. And so he takes out this little piece of silver and he takes out more than one is the thing. And I was like super worried about him. And again, I have the same instincts as Yeren, in my way, even though it's obviously I don't have Yeren's like other senses, but he pulls this out and I'm like, dude, you don't know how much that shit is worth. Don't show them how many you have. Oh my God. And sure enough, she's like later on. Yeah. I had to like, let him know that he shouldn't mess with us because of a master or something. I couldn't let him think that we were out here defenseless and you had that kind of money on you. Um, And in the end, there is a confrontation that causes them. One of the attendants at the bathhouse comes up to them and is like, Hey kids. So you probably want to get out of here because it looks like some shit's about to go down and I don't think you want to be nearby for it. And they get dressed and head out. There's this whole thing with Lyndon being real weird about like getting naked anywhere near or around Yaren. And he wants to stay here and learn. And she's like, dude, it's going to take you years. We can't. And he tells her you can leave. And she gets really weird about it. And I can't tell. I assume the idea of being on her own is just too terrible, but she also doesn't want to be here. And I feel like she probably sees this as being held hostage and does not appreciate it. Um, But at the same time, he said something about, you know, she's like, I'm sorry you didn't get your bed. And he's like, oh, that's fine. I totally trust any judgment you have. And if you tell me to do a thing, then I will do that thing. Don't worry about it. And that also seems to touch her. So it's sort of, you know, um, but that uh, that whole confrontation is interrupted by um, Jai Long and Crawl who we meet here. And I wish I had more time. I'm sorry guys, but Jai Long is wild. This dude had been the budding star of his family. And the thing about his family is that they were, uh, they are the ones that are currently in control on a larger level in terms of like having an empire. And they are in that position because one of theirs advanced beyond true gold to what is called underlord but that is so incredibly rare that the family is completely aware once that person who got them here dies they are going to go back to being any old family so they better produce another fucking underlord pronto or they are going to lose their position so they couldn't find anybody that matched that sort of talent and then here comes jai long looking like the fucking answer except there was an attack by some rebels from within their family or their kingdom at the least. And this caused him to take up a remnant in order to defend his sister. That wasn't the one that was assigned to him because there was a, there apparently you have to be like compatible with a remnant in a really specific way or else shit can go really wrong. And it turns out that the remnant, he took on for himself in order to suddenly level up and save his sister was a bad mix for some reason. And it fucked his face up so badly with scars that now he wears all of these strips of red cloth covered in, in the symbols that they use for like spell work. And I really want to know why those symbols, like I would think just covering it up would be enough, but apparently there's another level to it. Um, And I love this thing between him and Krav because Krav or Kral, Kral, um, Kral is apparently like basically the chief. His father is technically the chief. Kral is really taking command in a very, in a way that has the support of people, it seems like. And he and Jai Long have kind of a good relationship. Like Jai Long sort of respects him and appreciates that Kral has treated him like a person, despite the fact that he was basically kicked out by his family. Jialong couldn't, you know, he didn't serve any purpose to his family anymore because he had left the path that they had organized for him and didn't take the remnant that he was assigned and now looks like a monster. And they couldn't have him be the Underlord. So they basically were like, go the fuck away and figure your own shit out. And he is with their allies, the Sand Vipers, sort of like heading up operations of this exploration of the Pyramid. And there is a weapon in there that is incredibly potentially valuable. And it seems pretty clear that Jialong wants to be like a minor god, which I feel I don't know him well enough to tell if that's a horrible idea or not, but I'm going to assume it's probably a horrible idea. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I wish that I had had time to go more in depth on the whole thing with the pyramid because that is such a weird story but i i just ran out of time i'm sorry everybody i'll try to do better next time i'll try to manage my time um but yeah jai Long and crawl are the ones that sort of intercept the fight that begins breaking out outside of the bathhouses, and try to come to a reasonable conclusion that amounts to them charging this other clan a fine and that clan is not interested and that sort of when we leave off of this section is there they are about to fucking raise fists to each other it has begun Um, Brian says it wasn't so much that he was assigned a remnant he wasn't allowed to bond a remnant because they were waiting for an elder to die so the remnant would be a perfect match See, that sounds to me like the same thing. Like he was, he wasn't allowed to bond a remnant because he, so he's taking the remnant of his elder, which to me sounds like it's assigned. It sounds like the same thing. But I might be not quite understanding how that is intended. Bonding a remnant might be different than, like, might be a different process than what he did. I don't know. Um, but regardless, I have to go. I'm sorry, but thank you again so much to Andrew for commissioning this. I am really enjoying this series a lot and I will be seeing you all again on Friday with a new episode until then toodaloo motherfuckers. Unspoiled Network Podcast.